Shut up and sit down. Triathlon, hashtag tri training, hashtag tri life, hashtag swimming, hashtag swimmer, hashtag rise and grind. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hapler, and Jake Von Turing, also known as the Little Dog and Pony Show that sometimes talks about bikes and triathlon stuff. So we are clear here. You are the one who pressed play. Just saying. Tip of the day. Be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid only of standing still. Now, go get moving. What's up, Trainiacs? Hi, and welcome to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von During, and today I'm here with Evan Price. Boys, what is everybody drinking today? <laughs> okay, so if people are watching the live stream or watch the live stream later, it looks like I have this massive bomber of beer. Matt, <laughs> Matt is definitely not not drinking anymore. I promise, I promise I'm not drinking this big beer. I'm drinking sparkling water, which is, is right right next to it. I'll, yeah. I'll do one of those cracks. Kirk for, one. Yeah, yeah excellent. <laughs> Good. And um, the man you were just listening to, Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? How are you guys doing? Pretty good. 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 Pretty good. Uh, we're good. doing good. good. We're doing good. <laughs> and that would be Lance Hepler on location. Lance. Lance Romance on location. Yes, you are stuck with another uh, subpar recording of my beautiful <laughs> and soothing voice. So, but this time, no, uh, no face to the voice. Yeah. No face. No, no, no face. No, no video today. I didn't do my makeup, so I couldn't, you know, have the video up. I'm no. actually driving back from utah right now i know it was in, in hawaii last week but i'm in in uh, i'm driving back from utah I'm, I'm in between the little town of burns oregon and bend oregon so i don't know how good my signal is going to be but i'm going to try to hang on here as long as i can gotcha gotcha mm-hmm. and we've got one more person but i'm gonna let matt legrand introduce this gentleman sure. absolutely okay so um a lot of you guys are probably familiar with him you know if you guys uh have listened to this podcast we've probably talked about triathlon Taren before mm-hmm. triathlon Taren is um he's you know he's kind of one of those people that i think about as uh someone that's a real influencer in our sport and in my opinion he's probably brought more people to the sport of triathlon more than you know anyone that I can think of or anyone that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm super pumped. Uh, triathlon Taren of triathlonterran.com as well as YouTube fame Triathlon Taren, youtube.com slash Triathlon Taren. I think that's right. Is that correct, Taren? Uh, that it, just Taryn is good oh, is if it? you want to be super casual while I drink sparkling water. <laughs> also, sparkling well. water as well. Taryn, okay. what is your last name, by the way? <laughs> gazelle like the animal which is really ironic mm. because i'm not that fast but (laughs) it's it's a good thing to it's very it's very intimidating on a start line though to line up next to a gazelle i'd imagine 
<laughs> yeah, until they see me move. And they're like, all right, I'm not worried. All right. So what we do at this point in time, Taryn, is we do a backpedal, and we're going to run through our last week. Um, let's go ahead and start with uh, with Matt. And sure. Yeah. Matt. I had a pretty mellow week of training. Um, you know, I'm swimming super well right now, which is crazy. I think mm-hmm. I I think I may have PR'd in the 50. Did you? Uh, 50, so that's meters, a meters pool, just in practice. Like from, the like a, yeah, from the blocks? Did you guys go from the blocks? Blocks. Yeah. Um, 30, I didn't break 30, but it was like 30 point or whatever. And oh, I'm like, God, oh, you'd be toasting me right now. Well, I would love yeah. to. There's some things I'd like to do. But yeah, so swimming's going great. Um, I ran a race um, yesterday with my wife. I just ran, I paced her, and she was second overall, which is super cool. What race was that? Um, was that Shamrock? Uh, yeah, it was like the Couve Clover race. Couve Clover, or yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, she ran basically like 7.15 pace for 10 miles. Wow. I know. It's good. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to hang on because that was the fear. She's doing oh, great. That would have been a so much better story if she just would have like dropped you in the last 5K. Yeah. She was hurting. She, I think we went out a little bit too hard. We went out a little bit too hard and, and she was hurting a little bit. But still, uh-huh. second overall was cool. It was good that she did that. And we had a lot of fun too. We just saw a lot mm-hmm. of people. And then we had to like, and we had, we actually had a babysitter. So this was like a total running date. Like we had... Our three kids at home with a babysitter, just the two of us out there running a race. It was super fun. And then we had to hustle right from there to go to like kid soccer. So mm-hmm. it was great. Nice. All right. Uh, Lance, backpedal for us, bud. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to have a whole bunch of jealousy from the Uh-oh. group, especially if we've got all these uh, triathletes on the line and listening today because I spent last week in, uh, on the big island of Hawaii. Uh, and got to ride a bunch of really cool spots, so it was uh, pretty phenomenal. Er, one er, of the one of the f- everybody needs to everybody needs to go onto your Facebook, Lance, because I'll tell you, I've been living so vicariously through you the last like six days, <laughs> so vicariously through you. There's some decent photos oh, on there of some of the cool stuff uh, I've been able to do this last week. It's been pretty cool. That's for sure. Gotcha. You are in the middle of nowhere right now, but, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> You're breaking up a little bit well, there. One of the coolest rides I did was, um, <laughs> on the big, um, okay. I, 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 why Lance, we're not really getting a good oh, connection with you, buddy. I'm, are you in a bad spot? In and out. Yeah. It's either that or he's just talking real hill. slow. Maybe you this, we're, we're, this is what this is when you have a pod. It's, I gotta get to the top of this hill. Okay. <laughs> Lance, call us back when you get uh, when you get some some, some service. So, um, Taryn, backpedal for us. How was your last week, man? Last week was fantastic because I barely did anything after Ooh. half Ironman Puerto Rico. My longest workout was about 50 minutes and it oh was the God. best week ever. <laughs> that sounds if they so could, awesome. If they could all be recovery weeks, I would really be into training for triathlon. Oh yeah. <laughs> how much, how much good food did you eat? Like, like what's your like post race went well two days after what meal are you having Taryn? Well, being in Puerto Rico, somebody said you got to have mofongo. And mofongo is like deep fried smashed plantains. And I binged on mofongo. It was three (laughs) days in a row that I had stuffed mofongo and uh, like chicken fried mofongo. Like it was like that scene in Forrest Gump where the guy is rattling off all the different ways of shrimp. Uh. And I was like, well, there are so many different ways to make mofongo, Kim. (laughs) 
So, Taryn, do you want to talk about the race at all? Yeah, I was going to ask you, but let's let, let's we were, just go. For we were it. talking before the podcast. We were like, "Wow, that he had a great race!" Like, we were yeah. super excited for you. Not that not that I was not expecting you to have a good race, Taryn. But I looked at those times, very impressed. Like, very very impressed from that that race. Thanks, thanks. It yeah, I mean, the swim went well, uh, the bike went well, the run. I don't know if they call that a run course in Puerto Rico, yeah. but it's not a, a running race course like we ran on it but there are so many hills and i think it was 28 degrees celsius so somewhere around 86 fahrenheit oh, oh God. and there was 633 meters of elevation change oh my gosh and like there were there were two hills that in the what was it one two three four eight times that i went either up or down the hills i saw one person other than me running it <laughs> Uh, they wow. were so intense. Yeah. So the run did not, uh, I don't know. I think, think I'm still battling these demons of, was it a good run or wasn't a good, it a good run? Cause it was slower than a time that I wanted. Right. But I think mm-hmm. given the conditions, it might've been like relatively a decent run. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you kind of have to throw out the times, you know, you throw them out yeah. the window when you have a course like that. And it's that hot. The other side of it is you're kind of, you're from Winnipeg, right? You, yeah. <laughs> This, yeah. Is I it mean, warm up there? Yeah. It's not <laughs> it's not eighty something no. degrees. It's not I mean, this is unbelievable that you were able to uh probably I'm I don't know how many times you biked outside in Winnipeg, but I'm guessing it was like a handful or less. And you do that and then you go have uh, well, it, it's just Yeah, it was less less than one. Less than one. <laughs> it's like how do you do that? Like you do you know, you had all this and then you had a great bike split. Like your bike split was one of the top splits of the entire race. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I went to the the head mechanic from Ventum the day before and asked okay. him to tune up my bike, and he might have put a, uh, a motor in a there. motor inside of it. <laughs> there you go, good. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know because I hopped on the bike and I was like, ah, eh, we'll try to hold a hold some comfortable watts and uh, and it, yeah, it just ended up being a, a really it was like a it was like a biker's bike course where if you knew how to as Cam Worf calls it like work the road, yeah. you could really carry a lot of speed. But if you didn't know how to work the road and you don't have a lot of comfort in wind, you get knocked around a little bit. But I was just like, oh, man, this is great. Good road surface, okay. like long open stretches with slight curves. So it just breaks it up mentally. I, I really like that bike course. So are you doing a lot of your training on indoor? I mean, obviously, you're doing a lot of your training indoors. So is it Zwift and things like that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much exclusively Zwift. Over the winter, I did do a fair bit of fat biking actually oh, when cool. i was in like the base building part of the season so i was outside at least okay. once a week for the like the two to three hour ride just to build mm-hmm. a, a base of fitness but then once things started getting serious and and trying to get like specific race intervals for longer stretches it was just all swift yeah no yeah i was watching uh, one of your videos and i did catch this is jake by the way i'm not the triathlete of the group so i'm probably just gonna be doing a lot of listening today but i did see you on the fat bike and i'm like you know what that is awesome and for, yep. for the sheer fact that it's getting a triathlete on a different bike you know kind of changing things up a little bit but the bike handling that comes from that is fantastic so it's awesome yeah. to see you trying different things or implementing different things based on where you live to help you with your your race preparation good stuff mm-hmm. and and taryn yeah me absolutely uh, like Oh, go ahead. Go. So, so being up from how, how many months out of the year are you able to spend on a fat bike? Because I'm, I'm from Ohio originally, so uh, much colder out there, and we would have a lot of my cycling friends who would buy fat bikes. They get a good four or five months 
use out of them. And I know in the Pacific Northwest, you'd maybe get three days use out of them. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that'd be about right. Like I was just on on the fat bike a couple hours ago. So here we are end of March. And basically as soon as the snow crisps up and stops being really sloppy. So around Mm -hmm. here, that's end of November, beginning of December. So we get a good four months of it. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, did you want to talk more about the race stuff Matt or oh, we'll delve we'll, we can we delve yeah, into that we'll a little bit more back into that yeah sure mm-hmm. well we're still kind of in our back pedal here I don't really care too much about me I, I did like a fun team ride which was fantastic yeah and, how and was that it was incredible I mean how far eight, did you guys go nah, it was almost 80 miles yeah and it was just a big slug fest with a bunch of yeah. super strong guys so where'd you where'd you guys end up stopping uh we went all the way out to Multnomah Falls okay that's and, that's then, and back and I you know it was just a, it was a it was a great day for a Did ride. Did you have coffee Morgan's out there, multiple faults? Coffee and fudge. No. <laughs> Did, so we guys... started at a donut shop, <laughs> awesome. which was awesome because everybody kind of like being cyclists, everybody's like, oh, you want to split a donut with me? I have guys like three guys splitting one donut because oh, they don't on. want the calories. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we got out to Multnomah Falls and um, had a little piece of fudge and uh, some some coffee yeah. or espresso or whatnot. But um, Sean Martin, right before we got there, double flatted. He, oh. We were coming in and there's a lot of traffic always there. And we were yeah. following a car in and he didn't see this these like bits of rock on the road it was like shrapnel rock like really sharp he double flatted right as we got there so the poor guy the whole time Jeez. that we're there enjoying our coffee and whatnot oh. um he's changing flat tires so i went up and i bought him a coffee and i bought him a cookie about the size of his head <laughs> so nice. that was pretty fun to watch <laughs> i always wonder if it's like the coffee that they have there or if it's like you're 40 miles into a bike ride and i'm like this is the best coffee of my life I their like, coffee is good <laughs> is it, it is, is it really good? good is it or is it that you're 40 miles into the bike ride both. <laughs> have you ever been there when you haven't been 40 miles into a bike ride? I have not. No, I have not, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Yep. So, um, so yeah, it was it was a great week of riding and a lot of other stuff that we don't need to hear about. I'm, I'm kind of curious to talk about the, the insane person sitting to my right no, by the name of is... Evan Price. Oh, no. I got, I didn't Terrence, have a chance. Terrence week sounds so much more fun than mine, though. I really think that we so, should. I didn't, I didn't have a chance to really catch up on Strava until, the, what was it, like last night? And I'm scrolling through and going, oh, my God, he did this. And, oh, he followed up with that. And then I get to the next and I'm like, holy crap, he did this two days in a row. Evan, enlighten us. How was your week, buddy? Um, It was... I, uh, as I was telling Matt on my walk into here, I'm pretty tired right now. More physically, I actually feel fine, to be completely honest. I'm probably more mentally tired right now, I would say. Um, last, so the last two weeks, my goal was in 15 days, I wanted to get two separate seven-day blocks that were going to average close to 30 hours. So it was going to be like a 28, 27-28-hour week the first week and then 32 this week. Oh, man. With 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 one day in between, that was like nothing. Like literally, I spun on the bike for thirty minutes last Monday. Um, and just for those other people that don't realize, like you do work also as a physical therapist. Yeah, and that's more than yeah. f- that's what forty fifty hours a week. Fifty usually. 50-ish. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you fit that in. Like, there's just not that many hours in the day. I've like, gotten really efficient in my evenings during the week. I would yeah. say, yeah. But you know, it was. And Saturday and Sunday have just become like big, big yep. training days yeah. then. So the the last two days I went on, I was going to do the Multnomah ride with you guys, yeah. but my timing wise through the day, I like had to be done at a certain time. So I was lucky enough that Dustin's back in town now. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we have a friend, Taryn, who is a track uh, cyclist and a very good one. So Taryn, you being a triathlete also know that 
the scariest person for a triathlete to ride with on the bicycle would be a track cyclist. So I like to train with <laughs> Dustin quite a bit actually, but he, um, he's back in town from Hawaii and was ready to, you know, hammer and wanted to ride hard. So we did, I did about 70 miles with Alan, David and Dustin, and we hammered on and off the whole time. Um, luckily I was able to take Dustin out to some hills so I could be the one leading and not having to chase him on the flats all day. Yeah. But, um, I felt really that, that that was the first day I know we had talked about, I wanted to gain some confidence back on the bike. That, that was the first day I felt like I'm back to better fitness than I've been in before. Um, and then jumped off and ran a long way How and then it was like 15 miles almost. Really? Yeah. How'd that feel? Uh, great. Did you drop the pace down at yeah. all? I, I was holding sevens and then decided I was like, that's too quick. I just need to slow down. Cause there was no just reason for me to hold that. Um, swam after that tried not to move much that evening woke yeah. up did a trainer century again another i know oh i know i did another one of them that was yeah trainer centuries are like it was terrible mentally it was exhausting yeah that was like physically felt fine mentally that was awful i really did not need to do that again but um jumped off ran roughly uh a half marathon i think it was a little bit less did you do that one faster or kind of same pace i that that was just legs were dead just what, whatever on. pace I could hold. And it, it was warm too, which was good. Cause I, I actually wanted you. to go outside yeah. when it was a little bit warm. So. I was thinking about you in that 10 miler. I was like, Evan would be, f- could, would be finished with his half marathon. Cause I went one, <laughs> I think I went 113 <laughs> yeah. for the 10 miler. And I was like, that's uh-huh. yeah, you could do a half marathon that same time. I was like, that's good. So. But yeah, that was, that was basically the weekend. You're insane. And now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm surprised you're not over there. But a ball this is also <laughs> why, yes, I'm much more interested in Taryn's week than I am my week. So. And you're not even crying, Evan. There's no, I don't even see. On the inside. On the there, inside there was some crying Sunday on the inside. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's jump into our topics for today. Um, Matt, again, I'm going to let you uh, sure. guide the show today. So it's kind of a, a Mattisode almost. Yeah. Have at it. Well, definitely. The, the two things that I wanted to talk about were, um, you know, uh, post-race recovery, you know, uh, mostly because it's great to have Taryn's input on that. Um, and all of us have, are, you know, are going to be facing some of our first races of the season and things like that. And I think the post-race recovery is a super interesting topic. And then the other topic that I feel like we definitely, um, beat the, you know, dead horse on this one, which is like, how do we get more people into our sport? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, we can tackle, you know, those in whichever order you guys are interested in doing. Um, but I almost think that maybe we should start with kind of post-race recovery just because mm-hmm. we were just kind of talking about our weeks. And, um, and Taryn, you mentioned that you had done, you know, no, like no workout over 50 minutes. Uh, how else are you like recovering from that half Ironman race? Um, you know what? I, I, I use the time after races or big events as just as much a mental break as Mm -hmm. a physical break. So I don't tend to put a lot of like stress on I've got to use recovery boots and or cold showers yeah. or mm-hmm. things like that or like specific foods I sort of just do what my body feels like doing and if some days that's go for a run which last week ended up being a mistake I felt like going for a run so I went for a run legs weren't quite run ready yeah. I just sort of go by what my body feels like doing making sure that at no point do I really exert myself or feel tired at the end of a workout. And I eat a lot and uh, don't really stress out about what time or when I work out, just kind of go with the flow. So Mm -hmm. in in my case, because training is also a little bit of work, 
yeah. it's like a little bit of a mental vacation for me as well to make sure that just mentally I can take that time off after a race. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taryn, I think I think you make a great point that I think sometimes we way overestimate the the physical needs of recovery. Yeah. Our our bodies as endurance athletes They're- are fine with the recovery cycle. They're really good at the recovery cycle. The mental part, I, I agree with you, Taryn. I don't think that we're all as good at the mental part of it. Yeah. Realizing that like, oh yeah, the grind of waking up at the same time every day and doing the same thing, you need a break from that every once in a while. Especially when you're in Puerto Rico, for gosh sake. Yeah. yeah. If you can't enjoy time in Puerto Rico, then like, why are we even doing the sport, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like I, I, I look at our sport and there's a lot of people that are in it really intensely for say five to 10 years Mm -hmm. and then never come back. And I think that that's kind of the nature of a, our sport attracts really a type people and B once those a type people get into the sport, they obsess about it and that's just not mentally or physically sustainable. So I think Mm -hmm. everything kind of goes by ebbs and flows of maybe one year you do an Ironman, maybe the next year you do like a swim run or a distance swim or instead of, putting your self-worth on having to be a Ironman triathlete or a triathlete that's constantly chasing PRs. I think if you take a step back and just live an endurance lifestyle and say, all right, what do I have to do to live an endurance lifestyle to do that for the rest of your life? Part of that is mental breaks. And, uh, and I think that burnout is something that is really bad in our sport that people just mm-hmm. people just need to calm the f down and yes, take a step absolutely. back absolutely and i think you know also this this being a cycling podcast too taryn we're lucky enough to me and matt get to be around cyclists all the time and i i agree with you that it has more to do with just like the the, the people who are in their 40s and have been around endurance sports for 20 30 years there's this more like relaxed air about them And that's just because they've spent years bike racing or they've spent years like I'm going to do a half marathon focus this year or I'm going to do trail races or like we talked about in this podcast, we're going to throw on some paddles on our hand and running shoes and swim between islands and run across them or something. Yeah, the swim run stuff looks super cool. That's 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 kind of up in is that is that popular up in Canada, Taryn, that that. It, on the Vancouver side, what, probably Vancouver side. Okay, what's that style of racing called? Yeah, I think we might have one around. I think there's one in like Muskoka area, oh, but I'm not okay. sure. There are a couple of buddies that are just literally starting to be like the first guys locally that are training for it. But I yeah. think it's it's going to grow crazy fast because yeah. it looks like a ton of fun. Oh, it looks because like it's so it's so ridiculous. Oh yeah, you're swimming <laughs> so with shoes on, which is great. <laughs> yeah, we talk about on this podcast all the time about like how fast like gravel cycling is kind of growing as a sport, especially. In and this I region, wonder yeah. if mm-hmm. there's something similar, you know, in triathlon side of things where maybe it's one of those like swim run events or maybe it's some like off road triathlon. Yeah. I don't know, but that you know definitely could be a mental break. You know, if you're training for something that's a little different than you know the standard. Yeah. Iron Man, right? Where it's like, you know, you're going to go hit the yeah. roads and do all this stuff. I think, I think this blends into our, how do we get more people into the sport? You think? Yeah. We, we, we make it less pure PR based. I mean, yeah. I yeah. get, I get weekly, every single week I have either, it's a patient or a friend of mine asking me questions on like, you know, how, like, how do I get better on the bike? How do I get right. better on the run? How do I get better in the swim? And the questions are never like, you know, like I'm really tired of like being, you know, PR based right now. Like what else is there out there? People are just obsessed with like, I want to get my 40 K faster. I want to get my half marathon PR faster. So yeah, I think it's just taking away that PR pressure is probably how we get more people into the sport. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. It's such a tough, tough question for sure. I like the mm -hmm. idea of being like, oh, I can go maybe because I can't set any personal records on the running side. So it's like, <laughs> I, but I mean, like I could, I could theoretically snag a, you know, if we do like a 40K time trial um, on the bike, like there's a chance I could PR in that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, there's a chance I could PR in a lot of the triathlon stuffs or, or potentially the, a lot of the swimming stuff, right? Because I, oh yeah. Uh, Taryn, have you ever done like a, just a swim meet, like straight up swim meet? Uh, yeah, and I got disqualified from it. it was <laughs> oh, great. tell that's that awesome. story. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you you got to tell that story. Let's hear that. <laughs> uh, well, I just wanted to get in a swim workout that day, and the pool yeah. was closed because there was a meet. So I walk up, and I was like, eh, I'll actually turn this into a workout. So I picked a bunch <laughs> of events that were kind of close together but amounted to about 2,500 meters <laughs> of hard swimming. And, uh, I used my floaty pants for them oh. and, uh, after a fit and like purposefully, because that was what I wanted to do in the workout. So I did a 1500 meter event and the guy came up after I air quotes won it. And he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. We're going to have to disqualify you because of those neoprene shorts. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I know. I just wanted to do a workout. <laughs> no, no, I, no awesome. like, I'm sorry. I hate to say this. Like, no, like I knew I was getting disqualified. It's okay. <laughs> That's at, awesome. At that point, you should have just jumped in with like the full sleeve wetsuit and acted like you had no idea why you got disqualified. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is crap. Yeah, this is ridiculous. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, That's too funny. That's um, let's get back to the post-race recovery. Uh, yeah. Do, do you have like a specific go-to for, you know, your races and your training sessions and, and um, all the different ways that you know you're out there doing your different stuff uh, you guys do way too many th things i just like riding my bike and thinking about all right i'm just gonna get something to eat but what is it that you do i mean do you have a routine do you have a, a go-to uh mine uh, yeah. yeah sorry Jim. yeah yep um i tend to manage the recovery as from a standpoint of not building up a ton of fatigue throughout training so mm -hmm. instead of having to recovery and fatigue management at the forefront of something by saying, all right, well, if my fatigue levels get massively high, here's how I have to deal with that. I sort of have a, like a low hum of mm -hmm. fatigue throughout. And that allows me to just pop in a day of say like an easy ride on a Monday or an easier swim on a, a Friday. And that's really enough to manage some fatigue and recovery. I don't have have to do these massive like two week tapers or or really be conscious of fatigue levels because I don't really build up a ton as I go and then that allows me to recover a little bit easier after the race because it doesn't take a lot out of me I've kind of just got a, a nice baseline kind of fitness that I can come in and out of races fairly easily so mm -hmm. yeah I sort of manage recovery from the standpoint of like overall management as opposed to a acute variable that I try to manage. That's yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think is, I think we're all looking for that like silver bullet with that. Everybody's like, Oh, well, if I wear these Norma tech legs yeah. <laughs> twice a week, will that make me faster long, you know, in the recover short term faster, here? Yeah, yeah. Recover at a faster rate. I think that you're, you're, you're taking a good approach there by not, you're, you're not going outside of your systems demands just randomly, you know, three weeks out of the year and then hoping that you can recover in time for a big race. Right. Right. And I think that that leaves exactly like you say, like going outside of your regular systems that so many people leave, 
leave that like three week taper, the two week taper up to chance. Cause there's oh, a yeah. lot that can go wrong when you have your cortisol levels dip for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what happens in a taper that you're not giving your body that stress anymore and your cortisol levels dip. And, and if you're doing that for three weeks, there's a hell of a lot that can go wrong. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. oh, if yeah. it, like I could, I could probably get away with a three day taper, a two day taper for a half mm-hmm. Ironman and be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. What I'm giving up is a little bit of like that peak top 2% in the field kind of fitness. But mm-hmm. I think it allows me to potentially get to that top 2% in the field. It might just take me longer. It might take me a few years instead of peaking for like one year that I blew my brains out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that also allows you to want to do triathlon and endurance sports for longer periods of time instead of like, I mean, I even know, you know, young, younger friends of mine who I really do think had pro potential at young ages who just, they went for it for a year or two and just absolutely hated the sport by the end of that cycle. You know, I mean, they threw themselves into training that I don't think they were ready for. And then 12 months later, all of a sudden they don't even want to get up in the morning and swim and they just quit the sport. So yeah, yeah I don't, mm-hmm. I, I think that looking at instead of just post race recovery, looking at like, you know, season recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Re- recovery as a whole in a year is an awesome way to look at it. How yeah. do you recover? Evan, you did like, um, like world championship halves, you know, like that was yeah. your end of your season. How did I recover? After how do you, that? How, like, oh, what do you God. do? Like, do you just contemplated to- quitting the sport is what I did after that. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, um, that week after my last, I, I always have like one race of the year that yeah. I consider my last race of the year. I don't know what that'll be this year, but I always have one. And that week after I always go somewhere to hike and I yeah. don't nice. even do anything triathlon based. That's and cool. I kind of like Taryn, I eat whatever I want to eat. Right. Just like any, just absurd amounts of food. Yeah. But that's, that's more like we talked about that mental side of that recovery. Cause physically, I mean like, what does that do? Like seven days off from the sport. I, I don't feel like is required for, right. you know, physically for recovery, probably 48 hours after taking it easy is fine. But you know, after that you're basically physically recovered hor- hor- like, you know, hormonally you may not be recovered yeah. by that point, but yeah. I it, think getting in the water too. I feel like, well, you know, that's kind of, yeah. I feel better if I swim a little bit, mm-hmm. usually, uh, you know, a week after an Ironman, I'll be in the water that week a good bit. And then, um, Jake and I, we probably talked about this where it's just like, go find a new road that you, that you want to, that might be a good road. Like just go find stuff like yeah. no, like whatsoever, yeah. like nothing mentally. Definitely prepared. don't go on your old loops. Like yeah. don't, where don't like, jump on your road bike and go to your like interval loop. Kind of yeah. sounds like Taryn, this is kind of what you're doing too, where it's like mentally just like, Oh yeah, maybe I feel like a run. You go do it. And like, I would tell like when I, I coach um, like high school kids and things like that, and I'll tell them like if they're doing, you know, their recovery week or whatever it is, like this is, this is your chance to find a new trail, like go mm-hmm. explore and like stop throw rocks in the water, like all that stuff that you guys are doing when you're not supposed to do that. That's, you know, it's different, but like, yeah, <laughs> this is the chance to do all that fun stuff. Or Jake mm-hmm. and I will do like, Oh, what's this road? We don't know. Okay. We're going to go let's ride go that check road. Check it out. Yeah, let's go dink around a little bit. And I love taking pictures of stuff too. And I like taking mm-hmm. a little bit of food with me sometimes and just kind of like stopping and enjoying something and just yeah. hanging out and remembering why you fell in love with what you're doing. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recovery weeks are perfect for that stuff for sure. Yeah. Are you now when, how long did you stay in Puerto Rico for Taryn after your race? I only stayed until Tuesday morning. So race was Sunday and then we left Tuesday morning. And this was actually a interesting little test that we did. We flew in right close to the race, just late Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And 
I normally have got into races a fair ways away, like five to seven days. And I actually really like this quick turnaround of get there, race, come back fairly quick. Cause nice. I find like the, the, those bookends before and after a race, it's just like throwing you out of your groove. So there's so much time that, that you can build up like, putting on water weight from eating crappy food or mm-hmm. sitting in a hotel room that isn't your normal normal home and that little bit of cortisol response ends up ends mm-hmm. up creating bad sleep habits and you just slowly deteriorate but i learned this from matt hansen a pro triathlete that he comes mm-hmm. in like right close to a race and then i started picking up that more and more pros do that and i liked it a lot so mm-hmm. we came in really tight to the race left just a couple days later so that we didn't have to be rushed after the race, packing up the bike and, uh, and then save actual vacation time for a real vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump off recovery here for a second, just cause you mentioned his name, Taryn. How do you think Matt's going to race this year? How fast do you think he can get? Cause I've, I'm, Matt's a tough I'm, a, I'm a big Matt fan. I think, I think he's going to be quick. I like Matt a lot. He, he's mm-hmm. a tough one because a lot of his race depends on where he ends up in the swim. Mm-hmm. He's not a natural swimmer. So, right. so if he ends up getting on fast feet, it could be a real fast race. And like, he could get into that front air quotes, non-drafting legal drafting pack. Mm-hmm. But if he has a bad swim, that could be his entire race there. Like he's, he's so run dominant. Yeah. That mm-hmm. Sort of unpredictable to know where he's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's basically capped out as much run speed as he can possibly get out of, I mean, what he, he's a guy capable of going under 110. Oh, yeah. They're not, we're, like, as a sport, it's not getting much faster than that. There's no I way. Know. I mean, was Jan it, went 106. That that's, as, that's as fast as a human being is going to go in a half Ironman. <laughs> that was unusual 20, for tw- sure. 20 years from now, somebody will listen to that and be like, oh, well, now they're going 102, but there's no way. Yeah, no. Like, you're only going to be so far under 110. Yeah, it's it's definitely a cool part of the sport to see like these crazy numbers like 106 being thrown oh out. God, yeah, um, but he's one of those <laughs> he's one of those runners that's capable of going yeah. that kind of speed for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see. Yeah, the you know we always kind of talk about the swim being least important part of the race, but mm-hmm. because of positioning, it ends up being you know important for him. I wonder how his swimming is going. You know, yeah, so we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out soon enough. He's probably racing Texas, right? I think. Taryn, do you know off the top? I think he's going to be at Galveston, I think, 73. We'll find out. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. I know he's spending a lot of time in a sauna, so um, I imagine that he's gearing yeah. up for something that is going to be fairly hot coming oh, up soon. that's got to be it then. Yep. Uh, you know who has not been spending any time in a sauna? Me. Uh-oh. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Taryn, what else do you have on your calendar for 2019? Well, right now we're just today is the first day of a fun little project. I'm doing my first full distance race being challenge Roth in the beginning of July. Mm -hmm. And the fun part about this is that I enlisted the consultation of Dan Plews, who won the, the amateur division of Kona last year and super interesting guy broke the course record. And he jokes that he has, been published in i think two dozen papers cited in hundreds of studies he's coached three pro triathletes to sub eight hour ironmans and all people want to talk about is kona so Mm -hmm. (laughs) the interesting thing about him is that he really supports a low carb high fat approach and just for kind of interest sake 
uh, because I, I've done my blood testing and I know that my resting blood or my fasting blood glucose levels are, are quite high. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, sort of on the borderline of pre-diabetic, which indicates that I cannot process a lot of fat. So we're going to go through three months of a Dan Plews protocol and we're going to do a bunch of testing and see if we can increase my fat oxidation and see how my first full Ironman race goes, if the body holds up and and uh, if I can look good in a speedo yeah burning off I mean, all that fat we'll see nine nine ten hours is a long time to look good in a speedo so yeah. that's 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 going to take some work a lot of posing oh. <laughs> I, you know, a lot of butt clenches yes a lot of, of, of glute squeezes oh. <laughs> yeah taryn i think our, our blood is similar you know uh which is not that's not a good thing uh but i do think i'm wondering if you'll actually feel better also you know if your blood glucose levels are a little bit lower you know, kind mm-hmm. of even after like a little bit of fasting, like morning glucose levels. But, you know, if you can keep an eye on that stuff for the next three months, I'm really excited to um, kind of watch the progress and how you handle it. I know it's going to be stressful uh, just because diet changes like that are tricky. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see how your, you know, first your blood responds and things like that, which will be easy to kind of track, but also just kind of how your mood and how you feel as that mm-hmm. process goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like overall, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the science of it. And I should probably put the caveat to anyone listening that this is not keto that we're talking about. Right. Keto is yeah. a, a very, I think, a very dangerous thing for endurance athletes mm-hmm. to do. It's a lower carb approach and more fat based approach. And mm-hmm. I would probably argue that it's it's more of an appropriate level of carbs, which is like quarters, fractions of what the normal dietary guidelines are but there are so many benefits to it like not just from a performance standpoint but as endurance athletes whether we're cyclists or swimmers we spend hours and hours with no blood in our stomach meanwhile we're putting this massive inflammatory response with carbs into our stomach at a time that it's not really ready to handle it so like uh, i do notice certain things like skin irritations or Mm. stomach discomfort just from the nature of what we do. And if I can get rid of that from a longevity standpoint, like I'm pumped, even if it mm-hmm. makes me a percent faster, like from a, a longevity standpoint, right? that's enough for me to be really intrigued by it. Yeah, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. It's like, we're always thinking about like, how's this gonna make us faster? How's this gonna make us faster? What about actually being healthier? Like, what about actually living <laughs> whoa, whoa, longer? easy there, yeah. Whoa, that's crazy <laughs> talk, right? Like, <laughs> I know my, personally, like that's one of the things that we, we've talked a lot about on this podcast is, um, basically intermittent fasting and things like mm-hmm. that. And it's not, I mean, yeah, performance is there and things like that, but like, it's, I, I'm almost more like excited about the actual health benefits yeah. of it. Oh yeah. Being able to continue doing what we do for longer periods of time and being on this planet, being healthier and happier. That's, that's a big benefit. Yeah. Taryn, have you exper- experimented with some of the intermittent fasting? Is that kind of something that you've, um, taken on? Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. It's a little bit hard when you start doing like double workouts a day, Yep, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll pretty much always every day have a, a 12 hour fast. Right. And when you start looking at endurance athletes, 12 hours has actually a similar benefit to 14, 16 hour fasts for the average, uh, sedentary person. Mm. So 12 hours is around what I do just about every single day. And I think part of what I'm going to get to, and this is a multi-step process. Once I get to a point of regularly having blood glucose levels that are lower, I'll then intermittently have like one 
day that is like called a keto fast. And this is kind of like spins on, on fasting where there's a lot of science that's showing that like multiple day water fasts have just as many downsides as they have upsides, but you can get a lot of the upsides without the downsides by say a, a fast mimicking diet over the course of five days or just a once a week, um, say 18 hour fast and then a m- m- primarily plant-based protein single meal in a day. Now you've got gotcha. to manage that with all of your training and you've got to be metabolically prepared for it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's something that we're starting to look at incorporating, but, um, if, if it were just as simple as lower your carbs to less than 50 grams a day and everyone should go keto and everyone will be great, everyone would have six-pack abs and look as good as I'm hoping to look in a Speedo, but that's not <laughs> the case. Like it's, yeah. it's tougher and more complicated and it takes, it takes a long time to do this right. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the studies just aren't, they're like, we're just figuring this stuff out right now. Like we're yeah. just, I feel like and we're kind of turning the corner. Yeah, and there's a lot of, you know, I have, I have a new uh, nutritionist friend of mine who, you know, I've, maybe in the medical field, but I do not claim to be a nutritionist by any means, but I've experimented with a lot of this just on, on a power size of one being myself, Mm -hmm. maybe two. I've had a friend who does some of it with me, but we, uh, I've talked about on this podcast before when I was much younger, I would do fasted seven or eight hour training days. So it would be a 12 hour fast, but it would be eight hours of training in there. And I've actually kind of started to get away from those a little bit. Um, the, the reason I've got away and Taryn, I'll like play a little bit of devil, devil's advocate because I do completely, I'm, I'm really like intermittent fasting throughout your regular day is great. But I think when you're training for, I'll talk from like a cyclist point of view or like a track, like a, like some of your high schoolers, Matt, mm-hmm. yeah. there's for, for when we're talking about neuromuscular benefits of a workout. So let's say today's workouts 10 by 400 and I'm a high school track runner. Right. I don't want to go into that fast. Right. You yeah. have to, you have to pick and choose your workouts now, where now if today's a recovery run, okay. that's where what Taryn you're, you're talking about. I think it's wildly beneficial to actually go fasted into those. Yeah. I think, I think it is. I think to, to, to some extent when you're staying well below, um, in, in, in that fat metabolism, you know, region still, I think, I think that's where you can get some benefit from going on an easy run. But yeah, if you're doing 10 by 400, yeah. if you're not hitting, let, let's say, God, your kids are hitting, yeah. What, 68, 68s. Oh, yeah. Some can, of them probably some of them faster. Are, some of them are faster. Some of them are yeah. going faster. Yeah. But, uh, Taryn, he coaches a very fast high school, but it's he, um, so the, the, those kids, if they're, if they don't have that, that available, very, very quick available right. glycogen at that time, they may not be able to get those same numbers. Now you could argue, Oh, well, are they still getting a benefit? Not neuromuscularly, neuromuscularly 68 seconds is 68 seconds. Right. There's no arguing around it. Yeah. That is a certain amount of force output in the muscles yep. and a certain amount of, you know, turnover, right. basically neuro, you know, neuro, neuro signals to the muscles. Yeah. And if they're not hitting those numbers, I, I don't think they get the benefits. It's, and which is, it's weird because it's similar to like altitude, right? Like mm-hmm. you think you get all these benefits by being, you yeah. know, at 7,000 feet of altitude, but it turns out that when you're running on the track and you're running slower, like that's a negative, like yeah, every time. Like, and so what they, you know, they have the, the concept of like, sleep like live high and you know train low yeah, or whatever it is so that yeah. you can have those neuro neuromuscular benefits of hitting those let's say you're t- supposed to hit 65s on your quarters like you need to hit those because mm-hmm. your body knows how that feels when you hit those on the track and then yeah. you know ultimately you're hoping to race you know at sea level or whatever it is so you can mm-hmm. run like do your fast races I mean, or whatever this, they are but yeah, you think about this this region we got some very fast runners yeah yeah portland is what 100 feet in the air at its highest right next to the river 
Yeah. I mean, like we're talking like people who live in inner city poor. I mean, right. that is, we're talking sea level. Yep. That's, you know, I mean, yeah, some of those people who have a little bit more financial means can go and travel and race it out, well, you know, train at altitude. We're, so, Taryn, we're right next. I mean, we're very close to the Nike headquarters, and we do have a lot of, like, professional athletes in this particular area. Um, and a lot of those athletes will, you know, their schedule allows them to um, do certain altitude blocks and things like that. And so uh, it's just, you know, it's different for sure. Um, but even even at their altitude blocks, they're looking to come down to find a track as low as they can find one within a reasonable driving distance. Mm-hmm. Because just like you said, neuromuscular benefits of, of having those numbers and hitting those things, you know, that speed that you want in your legs is pretty critical. Yeah. I imagine cycling is similar. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know. Well, for, for cycling, it's interesting because, um, I know team sky last year actually documented, they were, they did a big training block fasted. Oh, they were, they, they were experimenting with some, at least from what they were talking about, it seemed the, the the diet was trying to reflect some form of, I would say Taryn, it was probably more closer to what you were describing, like a lower carb Mm -hmm. diet. I don't think that they were messing out with anything keto. But they they did a they did an off season training block at very very low carb. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that must yeah. have been very yeah. difficult. Uh, yeah, I heard about that from Sebastian Weber, a uh, uh-huh. uh, cycling coach in in triathlon. He's not super well known, but I suppose in cycling he is. And he was talking about how they found that I think it was Chris Froome is a really good candidate for a lower carb approach, mm-hmm. and kind of because he's the top dog, they brought that sort of approach to the whole team. And uh, and I think that is largely why Team Sky did that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's interesting. I'll tell you what, I would not want to be trying to hold Chris Froome's wheel while I don't have a lot of carbs in my system. That would be rough. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Taryn, you've you've got some um, pretty interesting stuff coming up too. You know, we're talking about cycling and things like that. Uh, The master's classes that you have coming up, um, for any of the folks that, that don't actually follow you, uh, super closely, um, you've been talking about these master's classes and they're really interesting looking. Uh, you kind of are talking to basically like the top dog in swimming or the top dog in cycling, uh, or, you know, as it comes to like running, like some of the best runners, not even just, um, I think for the running event, it was the, uh, Sarah and Ben true. So Ben true is, is more mm-hmm. of a runner. I think he's actually maybe two years younger than me. And so I, I God, probably raised ben. him. Poor yeah. He's old. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was fantastic in college. I think he oh, ran yeah. for Dartmouth or something like that, but he is a fantastic mm-hmm. runner, just a really cool couple. Uh, mm-hmm. so you're getting some of the best of the best in each individual sports, Um, and you're kind of, I guess, chatting with these people about all kinds of different things or sports specific stuff, or can you tell us a little bit about those master's classes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like this is something that we're really pumped up about and, uh, we came up with the idea mid mid summer, I'd say 2018, about trying to get, yeah, the best swimmer in the sport, the best cyclist in the sport, the best runner in the sport to share their thoughts on how to do that sport well. So over the end of 2018, coming into 19, we ended up lining up Lucy Charles to teach a course on swimming with her husband, Reese Barkley, who is also a pro triathlete and a former swimmer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cam Worf taught a course on how to bike like Cam Worf. And that was really really interesting because you've got a guy that's at the pinnacle of the sport and 
he says that he chooses his tire pressure by flicking it with his his finger oh, funny. and listening to the, the to the ping um sarah true two-time olympian three-time podium finisher in itu world rankings uh, her husband ben true the 5k american road record holder mm. teaching a course on running Rotary. and then we had aaron carson the strength trainer to marinda carfrey and tim o'donnell mm-hmm. teaching a strength training course so it, it sort of came together as this insane month of travel that I didn't really plan this way, but all throughout Mm -hmm. January this month, we went from Spain to LA to Boulder uh, or to Tucson, then to Boulder and produced all these courses. And uh, we've got a website now. It's like protriathlontraining.com. And just literally this week, we're starting to launch it and tell the world about it. And uh, it was interesting. My wife was involved in producing all the media and there was one day about two weekends ago that she finished it and like she had a little tear in her eye and she went it's uh-huh. w- way better than we imagined it's just so cool to hear these people at the pinnacle of the sport talk mm-hmm. about their craft like when do we get to do that in that's endurance cool. sports yeah when great. do we get to do that in in anything so so Taren, well since, since this is a cycling podcast we'll nerd out about because i love cam Worf. i think i think that guy is so cool is it so in that conversation oh, he's a total jerk he's <laughs> you would know i've i've never met the what, guy so. what, what pro team did he come from do you guys because he cannondale wasn't he was he on cannondale's team am yeah. i am i am i yeah. correct there taryn yeah okay and he was so i've i've watched some other videos on him is it still true that he does like 95 percent of his training on his road bike still yeah yeah probably a little bit a little bit less than that but one one ride every week or every two weeks in a time trial position. Okay. So he's, he's basically still, I mean, that's what your typical pro cyclist would still be training. Like would, you know, once or twice, once every week or two jumping on the TT bike, just to make sure you can still get in that position. But I know he was pretty adamant about talking about the, the, the quality of riding on the road bike for, for most of his training. Yeah. And the, the thought behind that, it makes perfect sense that, when you get into a time trial position, your body starts deteriorating. Like it's, it's an uncomfortable position. It's hard to put out good power. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly in this position that is compromised, how do you really build fitness? You don't mm-hmm. really build a ton of fitness. You might build comfort in that position, but how you build lots of fitness is by hours and hours mm-hmm. on the bike. And if you're in the time trial position, you don't want to spend hours on the bike mm-hmm. and you also can't put out super high Watts. Mm-hmm. So, his really long endurance rides, his general rides for just basic fitness, his recovery rides, all road bike, his really hard efforts, road bike. And then there's one ride a week that is his race simulation ride where he's putting out his race effort. And that's when he pulls out the time trial bike. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried it leading into Puerto Rico where I did just really one ride a week in the time trial position. And I did not feel compromised whatsoever. Uh, and mm-hmm. I actually, like I felt fresher. I didn't start feeling those hip impingements and my hips starting to like get creaky and cracky when I was off the bike. And, uh, it's something that I'm going to try this, uh, this buildup to challenge Roth because like, there's so many reasons that it makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you, you think about it, what do, I mean, the, the, the best time trialists in triathlon, right. they all come from cycling. Like those, they're, they're, they're all guys who came from cycling, which was a significant amount of time in the road bike position. And that's, 
I mean, I think that that's, you know, you go on a road bike ride with roadies and you're going to hurt if you're not at a triathlete who spends a lot of time on a road bike. And the reason you're going to hurt isn't because, oh, it's a new position. It's because you usually don't put out that much power otherwise. And now all of a sudden you're hanging with like, you know, the, the group we have around here and Taryn, I'm sure you have a group around there, our dial team. We got guys on that team taking pulls at over 400 Watts over and over and over again. And you've got to hang on to a wheel. <laughs> So that's, that's just not the type of training that triathletes usually do together. So, Well, you also learn how to ride too. Like I'll, I'll mm-hmm. pick on triathletes a little bit. We don't know how to ride in a pack. We don't know how to ride in wind. We yeah. don't know how to ride yeah, downhill, in, like downhill, uphill. We don't know how to work a road to our advantage. You go and ride with road riders a lot. And that's what mm-hmm. I do most of my training with. Like it, it, the, the women in our group, when I started riding with the group were dropping me like a bad habit. Like it was mm-hmm. crazy how well they knew how to work a bike. And you don't get that just spending all of your time on Zwift or riding by yourself in the same position and mm-hmm. on the same roads with the same conditions, every single ride. Yep. Gotcha. Um, let's, let's jump into the other question that we had here real quick. Um, how do we get more people into the sport of triathlon and or cycling? Um, I think one thing that you can do is to do something what, like what Taryn's doing right now. I mean, the guy has been putting out quality content to a lot of folks and it's giving a lot of people that, that courage of right. being able to say, all right, you know what? I can do this. I can learn and I can watch and I can emulate and do out, do what I'm doing. Um, I have a question for you based on that, Taryn. What, what, what prompted that? How did you get to the point where you're like, all right, this is something I want to do. I'm going to start creating content. I'm going to start putting it out there and I'm going to start teaching and, and inspiring people to get into the sport of triathlon. Well, I've, I've talked about this many, many times and it'll be, people can skip forward if they've heard it a bunch of times. Cause I, uh, I say it a lot in podcasts, but if you're new, I think it'll be a, a story that a lot of people resonate with. I was a finance guy. I had a small little investment practice selling stocks and bonds and mutual funds and life insurance. And sure, I liked the people and it was a decent job. It was my own little business, but it never really felt like something that was at all meaningful to me. And I didn't really have anything that I was creating. I was essentially moving numbers from one side of the computer screen to the other. And I just wanted something that had nothing to do with work that allowed me to be creative in some aspect. And one of the ways that I did some marketing as an investment advisor was I made videos, but legally I could make maybe three or four that would get approved every single year. So I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I am going to have a project that the compliance department can't say a thing about. And I made it on a hobby. So I got to have that creative outlet of making some videos and learning how to make videos a little bit better. And what I was happiest doing every single week was that group road ride. So I thought, all right, well, I like doing triathlon. I'll start doing content on triathlon. And that's how it all started. That is super cool. Mm -hmm. I've been um, doing a few videos as well on YouTube. And I I put out about a video a week um, for this past year. And it is so hard. You do a video every day. It is, you're, you're absolutely killing it as far as like just the amount of content that you're producing. I'm super impressed with it. And I think it's really helpful for a lot of triathletes to have access to that much information. 
I've got got good help. I've got, uh, interestingly, if you might have heard somebody opening and closing the door, that was my video editor, Mel, giving me a fresh set of batteries for the podcasting setup here. Oh, they died. Nice. So, um, she helps out a lot and she makes pretty much all the videos. My wife does a lot of the podcasts. And one of the things that I didn't really realize is when you're doing a video every day, you get pretty damn efficient at it. Yeah. When, yeah. It was only, say, two a week. We were like, eh, well, we don't really have a system for it. What are, what are we doing? Yeah. But we start doing one every day. It's like clockwork. You just start working through all the bugs of how do we make this more efficient? What What's a better mic so that we don't have to correct the mic levels? What are yeah. the best camera settings that we can quickly quickly adjust the from slow motion to regular motion? What's the best mm-hmm. gear? Like We just start plucking out all the little efficiencies that we can and in a pinch now like we could do i want to say we used to when i first started it would take me about six to eight hours to do every single video even the easy ones i did the puerto rico video in uh i think two hours and that probably would have taken me four days three years ago i saw that you um that you had to edit that one yourself uh just because internet (laughs) internet connections were rough but the video turned out great you guys had tons of i liked it yeah yeah you had actually a lot of good camera angles and i mean i i I don't know how you got all that footage but it turned out really well that was all my wife every last frame it was my wife so what did you do with those was she on a motorcycle there was some pretty crazy shots yeah she was on a motorcycle so what we do with all oh, the literally she was on a motorcycle we yes <laughs> pick, we, well we we pick spots and like we pre-plan yeah. the shoot so that we can figure out all right how do we get the most different angles so it looks like we've got 20 people there even though it's just one camera <laughs> and maybe a gopro yeah and uh, we did that the day before and she got on the moto and uh and yeah found me on the moto yeah it yeah. was it was super cool to be like just when I think it was like 40 K into the bike when things just start hurting. And I, I heard the moto coming. I'm like, Oh, I hope that's her. I hope that's her. That's cool. And uh, that was super neat. Well, congratulations on a really amazing video that turned out. Yeah. I know you have a lot of good great, race and yeah, good video. Great, yeah, absolutely. That must've felt good to at least get both. Right. Cause if you do like had a great video race, wasn't great. You know, yeah. you kind of come out feeling 50, 50, <laughs> I <laughs> uh, no, the race is always more important. The the video is just like kind of a, a fun bonus to look back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um real quick, have you seen Matt's channel before? Have you ever checked out any of his videos? Matt Legrand? I uh I have to admit I haven't. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well so so I have um like over sixty subscribers. Cool. Oh come on, you've and, got like <laughs> over three hundred now. You're, but, you're coming around so but, sure. But I do want to yeah. congratulate Taryn because he just crossed over sixty thousand subscribers. Congratulations, Taryn. That's really cool. It's yeah. really neat that, that that many people are, you know, following and you know, that you're inspiring that many uh, triathletes to get into the sport or continue in the sport. From one YouTube expert to well, another. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. But like, I, I find that like, it, it's kind of, it's funny. It's surreal that I remember when I had 60 subscribers and like, it probably took me, I want to say it was like a hundred videos before yeah. I even crossed a hundred subscribers. And 
a friend was telling me when I was doing like video number 60, she was like, Oh, you could become YouTube famous. And here I was, nobody was watching my videos. And I'm like, that's never going to happen. Crystal, I think it's, don't yeah. be an idiot. I, yeah. I love the, the lower numbers. Cause you actually like, I feel like, you know, the people you're talking to, you know, and I felt like the first hundred were really hard to get, you know, and it's just like, this is cool. It's like this part of the struggle or whatever it is. And then, you know, the numbers pick up or whatever, but you can kind of connect with people you know, I, think, pretty I, think, easily. I think I was one of the top 50. Does that mean really? I get like a t-shirt oh, yeah, if you, you get, get over 100,000 at some point? Like, stickers for you. Do I get a free mug? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can say this. I am, again, not the triathlon guy here, but when I do watch um, Matt's videos, he does inspire me to want to dabble in that. D- does it? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a little bit. Awesome. I have to be honest. And, it, oh, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's yeah. a black hole. Yeah. yeah. Just bike. Just I've bike. got too many broken parts and pieces <laughs> on me, though, to even, even consider doing that. But you should. You should check it out one day because matt puts out some really quality stuff and i'm not saying that just because he's sitting here to my left and he has he's on to the, on the, i have to pay you exactly. <laughs> yeah, earning money's coming under the table i, right I now. think you would be honestly surprised at how good of a video he's putting out it's just a matter of time before matt really starts to take off and blossom on the old youtubes so mm-hmm. cool um let's jump into one last thing guys unless you have anything else you want to run through taryn is there anything any other little things that you'd like to kind of throw out there any little plugs before we uh, jump into one last thing no, I turned that into a five-minute plug about the pro triathlon training masterclass. So no, I love that. Yeah. We should. Did, we, did you see how I did that there? That was, we, just, that was a little ooh, plug there. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the website, the website no, again for no, that no. is. Thank, thank you, guys. Yeah, the website again for that is protriathlontraining.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's what right. I wrote down. As and well. we'll put and, that. And I will. Okay, I am gonna. I am gonna shamelessly plug this. We've got right now up until the end of April. Uh, 20% off anything Ooh, cool. if people use the code PTT launch 20. So like pro triathlon training launch 20. Okay, cool. Well, we'll definitely leave like a it. link to the website in our mm-hmm. show notes, uh, as well as we, we do a fair amount of stuff through Facebook and things like that, that we'll yes. try to make sure that we have the, the links on for that. Yeah. We've got a budding triathlon team and triathlon community here on the whole yeah. that's doing really well. So I'm sure that there's going to be quite a few people who listen yeah, to this that are going to, they're yeah. going to be excited to hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. One last thing, Evan. Uh, I was, so I'll probably use this one to talk about, uh, my first race of the year is fast approaching like way oh, too yeah. fast. Now that I look at the date, uh, I'll be racing in Galveston 73, April 7th, I think is that race. And then the second week in May, I will be doing Chattanooga 73. So that's my one last thing, man. How nervous are you right now? So dang nervous. <laughs> I like originally was not that nervous where I was like, you know, it's just going to happen when it happens. Now it's closer. I'm like, oh my God. This you're going to do great. Your training's been, I don't even your know. Your been going really well. So your yeah. hours are ridiculous. You'll, you'll be just fine, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> the people I'm racing are ridiculous <laughs> is the problem. <laughs> Matt, one last thing. Um, the, the one important thing that I would like to just throw out there is congratulations to my wife for, um, she ran really hard, you know, and, uh, she went out hard and she put it on the line and she, she was hurting really bad the last couple of miles mm-hmm. and she's sore today and I'm just proud of her. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Taryn, one last thing. Try triathlon. Yeah. Um, and, mm. or, or, I mean, if you want equally as time consuming and just as expensive, take up drugs, like yes. <laughs> similar sorts of, awesome. of time commitments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that's basically on the surface the same idea yeah. so <laughs> mr jake one last thing what do you have for us um i just wanted to thank taryn for being on the Absolutely. show i mean i again i'm not the triathlon guy here but i, I did take a, some time to go and watch some of your videos very well done and those matt and i have been dabbling in this and matt's already well into the whole process of creating his own content putting it out there and, and you know having that creative outlet has been cool. has been great and it's something that I've been dabbling with and I'm building up content but I just I have to make the time I got to make this happen because it's something that I want to be doing as well um, and if it's for nobody else but other than myself maybe a few friends and it's good for the team or something like that that's fine too I don't need to be giant and, and whatnot but um, it's been an inspiration to, to be around Matt and watch this and to watch Taryn's videos and, and I'm going to just say that it's I'm inspired to, to kind of kick it into the next gear and hopefully start putting out some I'm excited for well. you too I can't wait mm-hmm. for you to start posting stuff yeah I mean I meant to get after this you know, yeah. last summer but you know getting hit by a car and put in the hospital oh, for some time yeah. and having all kinds of broken bones and surgeries so we're coming out of that, that funk and that fog and I want to be able to do that stuff as well so um, I think that's it guys Taryn thank you Taryn, thanks so much Thank for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Taryn. We will, we will be tuning in. I'm excited to see your content here coming up. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. This is a lot of fun. Yep. And again, mm-hmm. you can uh, check out Taryn um, at his website, the triathlon Taryn, that's T A R E N.com, um, for more information. And then his new website that's coming out very soon, um, pro triathlon training.com as well. Um, Matt, where else can you see him? Uh, yeah, YouTube. You, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you can follow him on the daily on YouTube, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. So, and if you guys have any, uh, any questions for us, or if you would like to connect with us, you can check us out at dial podcast on Facebook and Instagram and email any of us, uh, our first names at dialpodcast.com. on that note. Thank you for listening and we will catch you guys next time. Bye for now. Bye.